Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. I crave that love from her that I don't maybe feel like I have from my family. Although they're the most important thing in my life, they've proved that they could go. I'm Elka Edwards, founder of Ivy House. 16 years after her parents' divorce, Sophie is still coming to terms with their separation. Despite having a great relationship with her parents, the stories she tells herself about their divorce are still having a huge impact on her life. In this episode, we look at unpicking those limiting beliefs and how you can reframe them and access the self-worth you were born with in the process. Sophie, it's really lovely to see you. And you. My Thank goodness. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. Thank you for coming in. Just to give the listeners some context, tell us about Sophie. My current role, I work in the financial sector, so I'm a branch manager for the largest building society in the world, and I love my job. But I guess to kind of clarify how I've got here, I was never someone at school that was particularly sure of what they wanted to do. So I sort of, I knew I I didn't want to go to university. I didn't want to go away from home. I knew I didn't want to do that. But I I kind of had this backburning that I always wanted to be um, in in the police force. I wanted to be a police officer, which I joined when I was 18. So I did two and a half years service in the police force. And as much as I loved every day, I also hated every day. It was the toughest job I've ever had. And I didn't have a plan B. That was the only dream. And I'm, I'm sort of the sort of person that when I want something, that's the only thing I can vision. There's nothing else around that vision. It's just that one thing. So when I left the police force, I had this huge void in me where I'd come from a job that I'd helped people and I, I had nothing to fill that hole. So I tried a bit of customer service. I worked in retail. I worked in a private hospital um, and I loved that job, but nothing was ever filling the hole that I had. Nothing ever gave me job satisfaction or, you know, you know, when they say if you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go to work, you're not in what you want to do. Or if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I I just, I strove for that every morning I woke up and I was like, who are these people that do what they love when I wake up in the morning and I think, oh my God, how many days till the weekend? It's interesting because Sophie's looking back on this as if it was a bad thing. But actually what she did was what all of us need to do. She became acutely aware that she was not living in her element. She felt that empty feeling inside, but then she acted on it. She went out and found the career that worked for her. We all need to stay this aware so that we can find the lives that are right for us. So work-wise, it took me a long time to find something. Well, I'm 28 now, and it's only really in the last three weeks that I've got this promotion and just literally do wake up in the morning and I can't wait. I go home at night and I'm still working and I can't wait to get there the next morning and see my team and just be a leader. I never would have thought in a million years I would be a leader. If you'd have asked me at 18 when I was that police officer, will you ever lead a team? I'd be like, no, I'm not responsible enough for myself, let alone 14 people, but I love it. Outside of work, I am a huge family person. That is the most important thing to me, although I've started talking about work first because that's my current passion. Family is number one. Family's not always been easy. Um, So my parents divorced when I was um, 11 which was quite a difficult age um, for me and never really got over that. That's been probably the most difficult thing of my life. Christmases, birthdays, getting good news and picking which parent you ring and celebrate with um, is something I struggle with every day. And I filled that hole 
of not feeling at whole at home with my horse, April, who is the love of my life. So it was sort of a consolation prize. We're getting divorced and you're going through a tough time. So here's a horse and that will keep you busy. She has been the one thing in my life that's my constant because no matter what, I put her in a table at night and she'll still be there in the morning. So she is, still is now, 17 years later, my best friend in the world. And I think that I I crave that love from her that I don't maybe feel like I have from my family. Although they're the most important thing in my life, they've proved that they could go. Whereas I feel that she won't, mainly because she can't, bless her. What is clear already is that Sophie has a whole story about being left. She's brought it up a number of times just in the first few minutes of our conversation. And remember, my question was, who is Sophie? This story has become part of who she thinks she is. As we talk about so fondly in Ivy House, the time where I'm happiest is when I'm in my tracksuit with a messy bun, no makeup, got April, we're riding, we're doing whatever we're doing, but I don't have to think about appearances or answering back or expectations. I just know she's going to be there. And then obviously I've still got all my friends and my family, but she's just my number one. So I suppose that's probably me. Thank you. Tell me, what is it that I can help with today? I'd love you to be able to help me with the way that I tell myself I can't do stuff. So I feel like I have a block that I convince myself I can't do something for whatever reason. So for example, I actually had a show jumping accident a number of years ago and I haven't jumped since. And I haven't jumped since because I've spent every day, although craving it and missing it more than I can even articulate properly into words, I tell myself I can't I can't do that again. And and as time goes on, things get worse and it's not just that accident it could be anything it could be that I I can't have a particular um, career at work because of there's something about me that wouldn't fit into that role for example Um, I might not be able to be friends with somebody because well I wouldn't be seen as the person that that person would want to be friends with like why would she want to be friends with me Um, and I guess I don't know if it's a confidence around myself and feeling adequate or whether it's just the way that my mind tells me the way that things are. But I still feel like there's a part of me that still doesn't value, I guess, my worth. So if you could change one thing, Mm. what would it be? Quiet. Ah. (laughs) I wish I didn't... Just for those listening, when Sophie said that, she wiped her brow (laughs) and said, quiet. Quiet. I think we can all resonate with our minds when you can hear a thousand things at a time. Mm. Um, Not nice things. A thousand things that make you want to just say, shut up to yourself. What I've heard is that you have a habit of hanging out with thoughts spending a lot of time in thinking that doesn't drive the kind of behaviors you want to drive that you want in your life is is that right yes yeah Yeah. annoyingly yes so there's also a bit of self-judgment there as well about the fact that you do that yeah so you're piling more negative thoughts on top of the ones you're already having Mm. so if we could together 
clear the path for you, enable you to see a way where it would be possible to live in a quieter mind. Mm. Would that be a good thing? Yes. What, what difference would that make to you? It would allow me to feel calm again and to enjoy the moment and to take in the moments that I'm actually living in as opposed to living in those moments and yet thinking about ways to talk myself out of enjoying those moments or even doubting that I am enjoying those moments because all of a sudden all I can hear is the bad things about what if someone took a picture of me now what on earth would I look like or you know so it's negative self-talk yeah how many of us do that take away from being in the moment by getting caught up with the negative thinking in our head imagine what life would be like if we all allowed ourselves time to engage in the now to fully enjoy it without the negative commentary affecting how we feel so before we go there, can I just go back to a little bit of your story? Because mm. what I heard, I, wanna, I heard some words like, I love April because she's never going to leave me like others have. Mm. Can I just check? Have your parents left you? No. 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 I, think, I think it's the image of my dad walking down the path the day yeah. that he left. That's so your what dad I and your mum left each other? Yeah. Have they left you? No. So have you created a set of thoughts around, I've been abandoned, I've been left? Yeah, and, and not just by them, by, I couldn't even give you a list of amount of people that I feel that way. Just thinking about that in that way, that you've created a set of beliefs, stories that you've held on to for, well, you're 27 now, doing my math, 16 years, and it sounds like you've done it repeatedly. How's that helping you? Well, it's not. It's not at all. It makes me very miserable. And, and sad. Desperately sad sometimes. Let's just pick the one of your parents because you haven't mentioned others. So and that's, that's the one we can work with for a moment. But, you know, you know, two of the questions we ask on Ivy House all the time is, is it 100% true and is it helpful? So my parents left me. Is that 100% true? No. No. Is it helpful to you? No. Is it helpful to your relationship with your parents? Nope. No. But somehow along the way, you've held on to that. Mm. Yeah, for years. So let's imagine you couldn't think that way. Yeah. It's just overwhelming to think that you could think differently when it's been so long. Yeah. Because we get into the groove, don't we? And we allow those stories to define who we are and how, we're, how we show up to things. And very often we do that because we think it's protecting us. Well, they've left me, so I'm going to focus all my energy on April. Yeah. And I'm going to show up to those relationships that mean so much to me. The first thing you said, not the second thing you said is, the most important thing to me is my family. Yeah, they are. Literally, couldn't love them more. But you're holding a story that they left you. Yeah. I think it's just my justification of pushing people away before they get an opportunity to do that for me. And I don't know if it stems from them 
or any other relationship breakdowns, both personal and friends. And, but I tend to feel as though I'm always the person that gets left behind. And I don't know if it started with them or later than that. But what I just heard you say is I think I'm always the person that's left behind. Is that 100% true? <laughs> no, not even. No. And, it, and it's just, it's so untrue that it makes me want to laugh because nobody's gone. And if they're gone, then good riddance to them. But my parents love me more than I can... They're just, they're so amazing. They're so supportive. They're there every day of my life, always. And it's, I've never thought about thinking that they've left me. I, don't, I, I can't explain it. I've never thought about it. No, it's just a story you adopted. You made it yours. You made it a truth. Mm. And the you know, first question I've asked you, is it 100% true? And you've got no, not at all. Not even remotely. They haven't left me. They're here every day for me. They're so incredible. They're so supportive. Mm. So the reason I chose to go back to your story is what I heard you say is, I want to stop focusing on thoughts that aren't helpful to me mm. because they hold me back. They hold me back in the relationships I create. They hold me back in going for things in life. They hold me back in going back to show jumping, which is something I absolutely love. Mm. And I just wanted to show you that actually you've, you've got a habit of this mm. throughout lots of things of creating stories that hold you back keep you separate from make you feel more of a victim in life yeah i have had that feedback before um tell me more so in ivy house um when we did our first ever um our 60 seconds on our table when our Mm. first day one um and Bo, you must remember Bo. um i had my feedback from him we went around the circle and we were talking about something about how i at work always have my lunch break last. So my team always go for lunch first and and still to this day do. And I make sure that all of those are done um, and then I go last. And he said to me, do you you like feeling like the victim? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, all I've heard is you telling me how you're hard done by at work because you go to lunch last. And I was really taken aback by that because I thought I don't know I honestly don't know the answer to your question Bo because I've never had anybody give me such honest feedback in my life <laughs> welcome part to of me, <laughs> part of me wants to poke you in the eye and the other half wants to say yeah fair play maybe at work or not just at work just but at work. In, in that scenario yeah maybe I do like to be the victim because then yeah and so it was really interesting because being a victim gives us what what does it do for us because it certainly does something for us I think for me it makes me feel either powerful in that situation of being a victim because then I have that people feel like oh Sophie always is the best manager because she always goes for lunch last or whatever so I feel like oh I've I've been seen in a good yeah I've been seen in a good light for for that which is so minor but also it then just hugely brings me down because I always feel so unimportant in some ways because then in other scenarios it makes me feel 
like worthless, I suppose, and like nobody else notices. Lots of people get into the habit of being a victim. What it gives them is the ability to blame someone or something else for how they're feeling. They can blame others for feeling low, left out, unpopular. And in doing this, they're taking no ownership for changing the situation. So what you asked me for was uh, to help you feel self-worth again. What, what's becoming clearer and clearer to me is you're creating stories where you have no self-worth. Okay. Does that make sense to you? I'm not sure. My parents left me. Yeah. I I allow everybody to go first. I put everyone before me. Mm. When we lead, it's not about putting everybody before us. It's about showing up as equals. Yeah. It's not about, you know, poor me. Yeah. I have to do this to keep it going. Mm. It's about right now I need X. Right now I need food. Actually, I need a break. Mm. I need a whole day. I need to go home now. My brain's starting to ache. I need to look after myself. So self-worth doesn't come from other people. It comes from us. Mm. Now, what I heard you say earlier is you have a whole history of telling you, telling yourself that people have left you. Mm. Now, when you tell yourself you've been left, people leave things that aren't. Mm. worth something right yeah they do mm. I've never ever thought about thoughts in that way but yeah that you do and I guess a part of me always has that victim mindset of what's happened to me like I've been left or I'm the last one to go for lunch or I've put you all before me and yeah. I do Although my intention is to put them before me, I think in my mind, my intention is to fill a void of being a victim, I suppose, in a way, or feeling like... Well, it's really interesting. By getting them all to go before you, it's then there's a resentment within you Mm. that they're all doing that and you're left behind. Mm. Because I do sometimes feel like angry about it I do and that's I think that's how the conversation came up with Bo because I think I said sometimes I feel really angry that maybe they've all gone for lunch and then something complex comes in and it's like oh Sophie can you and I feel like no actually can you because I still haven't eaten because I let you all go for lunch first and I almost then use that kindness I gave back against myself and them because then I think well no I I gave you your lunches first so now I want to eat and I instead of just doing it for the right reason I then make them feel bad it was never my intention but I do turn it around and it's just not it's not healthy have you used it against your parents I don't use it against my mum I do feel differently about both of my parents um my dad worked away for my childhood so I actually didn't really see my dad for the first 18 years of my life really so I'm just going to check in is that 100% true you didn't see your dad for the first 18 years of your life no I saw him a couple of times I saw him so briefly for so no it's not true he worked he worked abroad for my first 18 years but he would come home every year so he would be home for he, ge- he generally tried never to miss a birthday. So he'd be home for birthdays, he'd be home for Christmas. 
but I see it as I didn't see my dad for 18 years. No, you tell it. <laughs> you tell it. I tell myself. But I didn't and I tell see... other people that as I'm well. I'm sure you do. I do. I, I, and I blame him for that. Yeah. So, so that, I do blame So your him dad was away earning money for the family. Yeah. To... But I see it as he lived his high life. Yeah. Away. And my mum brought us up. Yeah. On her own. For all of that time. I've tried to talk to him about this. But it's never successful. Are you noticing the level of judgment that Sophie is carrying here? Again, she's created a truth for herself that means she's continuing to carry resentment for her father, even though she clearly loves him and wants him in her life. But I know I see it very unhealthily. But I see it as my mum was here trying to raise us. My dad was abroad having a wonderful time. Never really a parent, never knew how to parent as such, um, would come home to see us. And to be fair, he would have been home more than I remember, 100%. But I choose to say yeah. he was only home so you have, sporadically. So you have a big story about all the bad things that have happened to you, haven't you? Mm. Still being a victim. <laughs> well, so here's my question. Do you want to go forward with that story? Because if it takes us back to... I want to feel self-worth. I want to quieten that voice down in my head. Self-worth worth is within you. Mm. You were born. You know, Self-worth isn't up for grabs, Sophie. Mm. We're human beings. We were given the gift of life. We are, you know, full of value. Mm. Full of self-worth. That's that doesn't go here nor there. What what happens is is we create stories, we create thinking that makes us feel it's gone away, mm. and we tell ourselves untruths actually to support that story. Yeah. So it's not the self worth that has gone anywhere. It's the stories you repeat and repeat and repeat in your head and to other people. I'm sure about your backstory. Hundred percent. I guess I I even try to justify sometimes. Like I always say to my partner that I have abandonment issues. And he's like, what? I'm like, I, I feel like everybody will leave me because look, you know, my dad wasn't there and my parents split up and, and I've had to adapt to different step parents and different step sisters and, and a new life. And I've now got four parents and I try to justify even the way that I am with my relationship with him or my friends back to my parents divorce I, I, I still so do here I'm going to give you a challenge I want you to tell me that <laughs> okay. story in a different way I don't want it to be an abandonment issue story okay. tell me the story in a different way well in the way that it is it's that my parents loved me more than anything but they didn't love each other well, they did love each other, but not enough to make it work forever. But they loved us enough that they didn't want us to be unhappy, watching them be unhappy. And so my family remains, but just not living together. And I'm so lucky that I now have four parents who I love. I've got my, my parents and my step-parents and actually I'm luckier than before because I have happy parents 
And they are so happy, both of them. They've got lovely lives. And they love, they love us no less than before. But they put themselves and us first. Instead of fighting to stay together and surrounding us with arguments and hate. Instead, we're surrounded by love. I just wish it was different. (sighs) And that's as simple as it is. As much as I understand. (sighs) I just wish that my family was still together. And that's it. But it doesn't mean I'm any less loved. Or that that was what was right. That's just the fairy tale I have in my head of how I wish it was. What I've heard you say is you're surrounded by love. You had parents that had the courage to admit that they weren't right together. And actually, the ability to go and find people that they were right with. They didn't abandon you in any shape or form. They put you first. They've looked after you. They've created a bigger, more complex family for you to be. It sounds like you feel really part of. Yeah, I do. And you have the option now to see what really happened and let go of stories about abandonment, being left, having a dreadful time and actually see what's right in front of you. You just said when I asked you to tell me the story differently, didn't you actually said, well, I'll tell it as it is. (laughs) Because that is the reality. Because that is the reality. Yeah. So you have your self-worth within you. And it sounds like you have masses of validation from around you. Masses of love and support and care. The question is, at what point are you going to start seeing it? About 30 seconds. (laughs) When I leave your lovely little room. I just love them so much. And it sounds like they love you so much. So you can carry your old stories with you, Sophie, if you want. You can be a victim. You can have a lot of back chat. Or you can actually go, you know what, I've got a whole life in front of me. And I don't need to carry these made-up stories with me. I'm going to go to my, my riding lesson and, you know what, I'm going to take it easy. And I'm just going to enjoy sitting on top of a horse and and being there and enjoying that moment. And gradually my skill will come back and my confidence will come back with that situation. That's all available to you. Or you can just indulge yourself in a whole ton of negative stories if you want. I I don't want to. Are you sure? (laughs) I really, really... I'm tired of thinking that way. Yeah. So I just want you to think before we finish to just think back to what we learned on the program about the fact that thoughts pop in and out of your head. They're not truths. Just focus your thought energy in thoughts that actually serve you. Don't try and block the negative thoughts because that, that just takes energy. Let them come in, let them go out, let them come in, let them go out. And just turn to focus on stuff that's going to serve you. I'd love you to go back to your partner and actually go, do you know what? I haven't got abandonment <laughs> issues. I'm making that up as another story hmm. which will negatively impact our relationship. That's just a suggestion. 
No, it is, you know, it's it's necessary. It's an action for me. It's not a suggestion. I think he'll be very pleased to hear that because I think even he, yeah, nobody like Nobody you. wants to be living with a victim. <laughs> no, and not one like me, I can assure you. It's <laughs> not enjoyable. Bless him. Does that help? More than you'd know. So as you know... We make a big thing at Ivy House about being courageous learners. Mm-hmm. You can learn from other people. You can learn from books. You can learn from any situation. But you can also learn from yourself. Yeah. And one of the best ways of learning from yourself is to give yourself some advice occasionally. Yeah. So I've asked you to write a letter to your 17-year-old self. And I'd love you to read it if you wouldn't mind. Yes, of course I would. No, wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I I think um, this itself was just so helpful. Um, But here we go. So, 17-year-old Sophie, where do I begin? I cannot put into words how much you needed this letter 10 years ago. The most important thing I wish I could have told you is stop trying to fit in or adapt to who you are to to meet the needs of others. In 10 years' time, you'll be able to count on one hand the friends you can truly rely on when times get tough and that will make you feel fulfilled i wish i could tell you happiness isn't coming from wealth it doesn't come from your looks or wearing what everybody else wears just be unapologetically you because you are enough i wish i could have reassured you that it's okay not to know what you want to do when you grow up and that you didn't spend years wishing your life away constantly searching for the next chapter or expecting to be somewhere that you think society pressures you to be. You should have believed Papa Alderton when he told you what's meant for you won't pass you by. Instead of worrying about what other people are doing with their careers, you may have enjoyed the venture of finding yours a bit more. You were 27 when you found your dream job, and you absolutely love it. But most importantly, enjoy life. You're here for a good time, not a long time, and you only get to do this once, so make it count. All my love. 28-year-old you, and God, you've got old. (laughs) Thank you, that was beautiful. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organisations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And to hear more, please subscribe. To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.